Thanks for tuning in to Freedom House Podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this church as we change our world one life at a time. We'd love to stay connected with you by following us on social media at Freedom House OC, as well as our YouTube channel. Let's listen in on today's message. Hey, listen, today I'm really excited to, to get into this message. And if you got your Bibles, we're gonna, uh, today I'm going to wrap up the series that we've been on. We're talking about the comeback, and we've been looking at the story of Ezekiel 37, particularly the story where Ezekiel prophesies to the dry bones. And today I'm going to wrap up this, this series. Next Sunday I'll begin a new series of messages um, surrounded upon Thanksgiving and what the Bible says about gratitude and what the Bible says about our attitude. It's a great series to bring your kids to. Just kidding. It's just a great series for all of us, all right, to really get ourselves in perspective. I feel God's given me some fresh revelation about how we can end this year with a real attitude, a real perspective of God is still in control even in the midst of all that's going on. Can I get a good amen? And so today I'm really excited about this message. So grab your Bibles to Ezekiel 37. If you didn't get a message out there when you, when you walked in, um, we're not passing them out. They're at the front. They're the point, the piece of papers that you saw. They're actually the points to my message as well as the verses that we'll be studying today. And so I essentially give you my message outline uh, so that you can be a student of God's Word. And if you're watching online, they're going to put a link there. You can click it and then you can jump right in with us there and be able to to uh, follow along with us. But as you are turning your Bibles, I do want to take just a few minutes just to hold your place there. I do think it's very pertinent that I, that I, I pastor you in proper way to handle every situation in life. You see, if, if the church doesn't speak to the believers on perspective, then we can be easily influenced from the world. And how many know we don't live by the word of the world, we live by the word of God? I got two amens. I said by the word of God. Amen. And this week, it's going to be a very volatile week. And I got to speak to this because I got to tell you what the Bible says. This week is elections. And it has, and it's already, I'm seeing a lot of tension and a lot of things going on. And I want to prepare the church on what the Bible says. Not what media says. Not what a person says. What Jesus says. And it's important that as believers, that we have to look for our answers, not on Google. We got to look for our answers, not on social media. I got to look to the Word of God. That is where our answers are above all else. And the first thing I want to say is this, and I want you to hear my heart. If you call me your pastor, let me pastor you is no matter who wins, we need to be people that are Christians. See, here we go. People are like, no, I'm going to get nasty. No, no, no. We're going to be Christians. No matter what happens, okay, yes, cast your vote. But no matter what goes on, we must always exemplify Jesus Christ. I saw recently that they're starting to board up cities because they're saying there might be riots or might be, you know, demon, riots after the election. I'm like, what are we come to that they're boarding up places in fear of people just throwing, going crazy? I'm thinking, no, no, no. Ain't gonna be no freedom houses out there. I got no amens. Okay. I said, how are believers gonna go tear a city up 
based upon, we're, we're, we're believers. And let me tell you somebody who's not up for election, Jesus Christ is not up for election on Tuesday. I wish I had a better amen, okay? God is still in control. And I, people always ask, well, what are you? Are you, are you uh, uh, for the, the uh, are you uh, uh, for the elephant? Are you for the donkey? And I said, I'm for the lamb of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm for, okay? That's what I'm for, all right? So I want to say is, is do not lose your testimony on Instagram. Don't lose your testimony on social media. Don't lose your testimony with your family, your Christian testimony, because you didn't have it turn out the way you turned out. So whatever, I'm going to be here next Sunday no matter who wins. Okay. I'm good. And I'm going to pray for whoever wins. I'm going to pray and I'm going to, I'm going to ask the Lord to give wisdom. Whoever, Because at the end of the day, hey, Lord, that's up to you. The next thing I want to say about that. So I'm glad we had that conversation, all right? The next thing I want to say about that. Again, if, if I call me your pastor, let me pastor you on what the Bible says, all right? The next thing I want to say is this. Is I often get the question, should Christians be involved in politics? Should we even vote? Should we even have a candidate? Should we even have a say? And I always tell them like this. Christians should be in every part of society. Christians should be involved in education. Christians should be involved in media. Christians should be involved in music. Christians should be involved in society. Christians should be involved in family. Christians should be involved in parenting. Christians should be involved in the arts. Christians should be involved in business. And you better believe Christians should be involved in government. Okay. So yes, Christians should be, because wherever a Christian is not, or a believer is not, it creates a vacuum for Satan to dominate. What did Jesus say? Mark 16, 15, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So that means I must go into every sector and preach the gospel. I don't take off my Christianity when I go to work. I don't put on my Christianity only when I walk into church, okay? We are believers everywhere, but how we approach everything is the difference. We have an allegiance not to a political party. We have an allegiance to Jesus Christ. We have an elite, our heart is to the Bible principles. So all I'm gonna tell you is to say, well, what should I do, pastor? Because I know there are a lot of people like, like, and you're afraid to have this conversation, but a lot of people are afraid to even ask anybody like, well, what should I do? I'm gonna tell you what you should do, is you should always respond biblically. Look to what the Bible says, and that's the way a nation should come under, under God. That's how a nation should be. We've, we are loyal to the word of God. And my advice to you is vote the Bible. Vote the Bible. If the, look, to, read, that's so what I say. Pray, seek God, read your Bible, then vote. Because at the end of the day, when we stand before God, God's gonna say, hey, God's not gonna say, hey, so uh, how'd you feel about that economic policy? Okay. God's gonna say, did you follow my word? Did you stand for righteousness? Okay, did you stand for honoring holiness and honoring the Word of God, what the Bible says about male and female, what the Bible says about uh, our mentality, what the Bible says about every, what the Bible says about abortion, what the Bible says about how we're to honor God. I'm going to just say, we live to the Word. And if you don't like me, I don't like that he's talking about people to live for God's Word. I'm in church and I'm preaching the Word of God because what will change the world is the 
the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ. The world will not change by any political view. It will only change by the Savior called Jesus, 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 Jesus. And the Word of God will found every area of society. I'm going to just shout amen. So I know I'm getting amens here, and people later say, I don't like him. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with people not liking me for telling people to live for God's word. Because at the end of the day, I have to prepare you not to stand at a pole. I got to prepare you to stand before God. And, and the Bible says this. I'm going to lay a heavy one on you. And listen up, Costa Mesa campus pastor, Fullerton campus pastor, and also me. God says that I will be accountable for your soul. That God's going to hold me accountable for what I taught you. Did I tell you the Bible or did I say, I don't want to offend their feelings, Lord. Live for God's word, precious soul. Listen to me. Live for God's word. Because you will stand before God. I don't like them. No, I live for your word. Even if it costs me friends, it costs me, you know, this and that, I'm going to live for God's word. So, Father in heaven, I pray for our church. I pray for all those and whoever are connected to this family of believers, the congregation of the Lord, the household of faith. I pray all confusion be removed from people. That they wouldn't be bullied. They wouldn't be influenced. But as Christians, we stand on God's word no matter what. We preach Jesus. And we want to stand for righteousness unto you, O Lord. God, I pray for our church family. May they be strong in the Lord. And God, may we always hold our allegiance to Jesus Christ above anything else. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, just say amen. And you say, ah, oh, man, why say all that? Because I got to prepare you how to live for Christ. And we are in the end times. You're like, what? Yes. You can keep playing, brother. Keep playing for me. I'm not done with you. I'm not done with, with that yet. Come on, somebody. But we got to live for Jesus. Say amen. I want to talk about Ezekiel 37. And no, I'm not going to preach politics today. I'm going to preach the word of God. So if you're wondering, where's he going today? I'm going where I always go every Sunday. I'm going to preach to you the Word of God. Come on, somebody, in the Holy Spirit. Okay. And I want to talk to you today. We're going to look at Ezekiel. And, and the particular verse that we've been reading is Ezekiel is in a valley of dry bones. I began this series several weeks ago. And I want you to look at the story today. Although it's a story that's happening outwardly, I want you to look towards it inwardly of what God wants to do in you. Say this when we say, God wants to work in me. In fact, I'll say it this way. God is more concerned what happens in you than what happens around you. Okay? Oftentimes, we want God to work outside in. God works inside out. <laughs> Have you figured out yet that sometimes God will let things go crazy around you because he wants to bring a peace in you? Come on, somebody. So I want you to look at this story 
as how God is working in him. So Ezekiel 37, chapter 10, I'm sorry, verse 10 through verse 18, we're going to look at this story here as God working in him. And here's what the Bible says. Here, God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the valley of dry bones, and we're going to see the results towards the end of this story as I conclude this series of messages. And in verse 10, he says, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life. And I want you to see this here. If you got your pens, underline this in your Bible or underline this in your notes. It's okay to underline scripture, just don't cross out scripture. And so he says, and he came to life, and what happened? They stood where? On their feet. I want you to notice that the result of hearing the word of God, the result of being filled with the breath of the Holy Spirit is that they stood to their feet. Watch this now. A vast army. Other translations say an exceedingly great army had stood up to their feet. And boy, that's what I'm praying for is God let the church rise, let the people of God stand up and let us be alive as a great army for the Lord. Verse 11. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They have said our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy to them. This is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open up your graves and bring you up from them, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. I want to say here again, the Lord says, and you will know that I have done it. Believe me when I tell you, when God does something, you're going to know that it was God who did it, okay? And when God wants to do something, ain't nothing going to stop what God wants to do because God is always in control. I want to talk to you today a message that I've entitled, Revived and Restored. Revived and Restored. That's what we need today and that's what we need every day. God, revive us and God restore us. Let's pray. Bow your head one more time with me. Father in heaven, we pray yet again. You said your house should be called the house of prayer. So Lord, we cannot pray enough. God, the only prayer that goes unheard is only the prayer that never that goes unspoken. So today, Heavenly Father, we offer unto you our prayers, our earnest cry. God, that you would move in our hearts, that you would speak to us, Lord, as we open up your holy scriptures, God. Anoint our understanding so that we can be transformed by your holy word, God. God, challenge us. God, convict us, Lord, and show us, God, like a mirror, the things that we need to work on to be more like Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says amen. Come on, give God one more clap. We're a clapping church. Yes, we are. We're a church that, we're not the frozen chosen. We're alive in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. I want you to say this with me. Say revived and restored. Say it one more time. Say revived and say it restored. It's important what we confess and what we say because our words are powerful. The words that we speak are very powerful, and the words that you speak over yourself is very powerful. I've heard one person say it like this, you will never rise above your confession. Whatever you confess is your limit. Whatever you say is, is where you're at. So if you want to locate where someone's at in their life, don't look at where they're at physically, look where they're at with their words. Your confession reveals where you're at. Confession is so powerful that the Bible says, for my, my, my Bible folks, we know the Bible says that 
you are saved when you declare Jesus as Lord, Romans 10 and 9. That my mouth, my, conf- my salvation is actually con- connected to my confession. It says when you confess Jesus as Lord, you will be saved. So that's how powerful my confession and my words are, that it literally connects my eternity by what I say. Some will say, that's powerful. Come on, that's powerful. So it's very important what we confess. And I want to start talking about how as we're moving towards the end of the year, that we begin to establish a confession, a power of our words, not that we, we're God, so don't misinterpret, it's not no postmodern, you're the power, no, no, the power is in God's hand, we're sinners, we need Jesus, amen. But I do want to establish this, our words matter. So say, my words matter. Uh, we all know our words matter, they matter a lot. And one of the things I want us to understand is our confession as we come to the end of the year because you're gonna, we're going to see here in the scriptures when we break it down that God told Ezekiel to say something and when he told him to say something, there was a response and then God began to move. But what I want us to begin to understand is that God is in control, but more than that is that God is at work. Say, say God is at work. <laughs> and I even want to go a step further to tell you that God is at work even when you don't think he's at work. (laughs) He's always up to something, okay? God is always working. In fact, when when we're introduced to the scriptures in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible says the earth was with void and the spirit of the Lord was hovering, was moving over the, the, the earth. God, we're introduced, the first action of, of, of creation is God created, but also God was moving. So God was always at work and he was always had an intentionality to what he was doing. So God is at work, but God is also intentional. So we know that whenever God is doing something, God is always doing something. Okay. So like when, if God's not, he's doing something, he's always working. And even when you don't think he's doing anything, God is still doing something. So if you're wondering, God, it feels like you're not doing anything. God's like, I'm still doing something. So even when you're like, God, I don't don't see you working right now. Like there's a valley of dry bones. There's things going on. It seems crazy. God, are you doing anything? Let me just assure you that even when you don't think God is doing nothing, he's still doing something by doing nothing. Okay, see what I'm saying? So, So what am I trying to tell you? What I'm trying to tell you is that's why as Christians, we never lose our minds. Because when God's doing something, I can praise him because I know he's doing something. And when God is doing nothing, I can still worship him because I know he's doing something even when he's doing nothing. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on. If you're tracking with me online, just say, I'm tracking with you. Say, I'm tracking with you, okay? Tell the person you came with, say, God's doing something even when you think he's doing nothing. Okay? Now, why am I saying that? I'm saying that because in the verses that we're reading God brings Elijah to this valley of dry bones, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here in the context like I normally do. If you join us for the first time, I love the context of the scripture. I've been on this series for seven, several weeks now, and I've been talking about the context, and, uh, but I'll do it to, really briefly to bring us all up to speed here, is God brings Elijah to this valley of dry bones, and all of these bones are dry. In fact, the scripture says they're very dry. Go back and read Ezekiel 37, 1 through 9. They're very dry. They're all disconnected, and this is actually a picture of an army that had been defeated and God asked the question says Elijah can these dry bones live 
Can I bring this all back to life again? Can it be revived? Can it be restored? And Elijah's a wise, wise, you know, follower of God. So he's like, I don't want to say the wrong answer. So he says, God, only you know. And so he says, only you know, Lord. And so then God says, I know, I know what I know, but I'm trying to ask you if you know what I, I know that I can do. And, and so right now during these times, a lot of times we like to pass the buck and be like, only God, oh God, only God knows if things can change. And we say that as kind of like a, lo que será, será, what should happen, happen. I don't know if it'll happen. And we kind of just, only God. God knows, and we think that's holy, but that could actually be a form of doubt. And so we can't say, no, I know what God wants. God wants to bring revival to America. God wants to bring revival to marriages, revival to the young generation, revival to people, revival to men, revival to women, revival to our schools. God wants to revive and God wants to restore. Why? Because God is at work, God is intentional, and God is doing something bigger than I can see. Say amen. So, 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 so they gave me a, a, I usually wear my, 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 my headset, you know, and I'm more calm, but they gave me this preacher microphone, so I feel like preaching, okay? <laughs> okay. Ha! Oh, come on, somebody. Right. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> All right. So, so, so God brings him to this valley of dry bones, and, and he lets him see this, this fragmented situation. And you could deduct from the outward, God, how come you didn't stop this from happening? God, it feels like you did nothing to stop this valley from being dry. And you can almost, from the outside, say, God, it looks like you didn't do anything to stop this 2020 coronavirus. In fact, I almost feel like you're punishing us. You gave us an extra hour of 2020 this morning on fall back. And I'm sorry, no wonder, Lord, we should have sprung forward in fall to get this year over with. Come on, somebody. Huh? <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't need another year of 2020. Lord, let's get this year over with, you know? It almost seems like God did nothing. But can I tell you, even when you think God did nothing, God is still doing something. <laughs> because God says Ezekiel prophesied to these troubles. So God, Ezekiel looks to God, and God looks to Ezekiel. Stay with me here. Ezekiel, can this dry bone lives? Ezekiel's like, only you know. God's like, why do you think I brought you here? So there's this kind of hot potato. You're it. No, you're it. No, you're it. So Ezekiel, can the dry bone lives? Only you know. He throws it back to God. Then God says, then you prophesy. So he throws it back to Ezekiel's hand, and he says, Ezekiel, if they are going to live, then I have to help you to recognize what needs to be restored, but also I need you to confront what has been hurt. I need you to see what has happened and recognize that you're the answer. Now, I want you to do something bold, and I know it's going to throw some people off, but I want you to tell the person you came with, say, you're the answer. You're like, what? No, 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 not me. No, no, God. Send someone else. Who shall I send? Isaiah said, send me, Lord. Here I am. Now, when I say you're the answer, I'm not talking about you within your own humanity. I'm talking about Jesus working through you. Say amen. So, so God puts Ezekiel there to say, I have brought you to be the person to bring revival and to be the person to bring restoration. I have anointed you, Ezekiel, to be the one to communicate God's word and to begin to do something intentional on my behalf so that things can come back to life. Now, 
this valley of dry bones is something that we all need to recognize, and I want to correlate this as everybody has a valley of dryness that you might be going through, especially in 2020, maybe a certain area that you need to see be revived and restored. And, and, and I do want to minister to this, this, this area of all of our lives that everyone in church today has some area that you need to see be revived and restored. All of us, okay? We all do. We all have a frailty, and, and maybe if not you, then pray for me. I got some things I need to see revived and restored. That's why I brought my kids to church today. And so, uh, come on, pray for your pastor, all right? So, so we all have areas we need to see revived and restored. So, so, so I don't ever want you, and I said, if I had ever put a second sign outside to Freedom House Church, it would say no perfect people in here. Because sometimes we get this, 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 this misunderstanding that, that you have to be perfect to go to church. And I think, and I apologize if, 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 if you've ever seen a, a, a pulpit of perfection modeled to you that if you're not perfect, then you must not be serving God. Because we, listen to me, we're all broken vessels, okay? Some more than others, but anyway, we won't get there, okay? But we're all broken vessels, all right? All of us need areas of healing. All of us need, uh, need, all of us need Jesus. And, and I think that a lot of reasons why we've pushed away the world is because they think, well, I'm not good enough to go to church. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's the perfect time to come to church is when you need God to work in your life. This is the hospital for the hurting. It would be like, like people, people have told me stuff like, like I heard stuff and, I, and I'm not picking on anybody, but, but like, oh, pastor, I haven't been in church I've been going through a lot. I'm like, really? That's what you're supposed to be in church. I've been in church. I've been going through a lot. I'm like, what? It would be like you telling the, the doctor, hey, doctor, I haven't been in, haven't been in the hospital because I've been sick a lot. You're like, why do you think we exist? It's for the broken, the hurting, the, the healing, the, the things that need so I just want to go on record, and you can write this one down. Whenever you're hurting, I want you to run to church. I want you to run to the, come in here with all your baggage. Come in here with all your drama. Come in here with all your hurts and all your habits. Come in here with the black mark from the club last night on your hand. Just come to church. And you got that. It don't matter. Come to church. Look, come on. Come on, somebody. All right. Amen. Uh, sorry, sorry. You know what I mean? The marker. Anyway. Oh, Lord, help us. Come on, somebody. Right here, they do the, the club. Anyway, all right. Just come to church. Say, just tell your neighbor, say, come to church. Just come to church. Come to church. Amen. Okay. The stamp. I'm here. Just come in. All right. We love you. We don't judge you. All right. Someone say revived and restored. Say it again. Say revived and restored. So he brings them. And this is a picture of what needs to be revived and restored. I believe all of us have some area. It might be your marriage. Today you're here. It needs to be revived and restored. It might be your mind. Everything's good on the outside, but on the inside, it needs to be revived and restored. It might be your soul. What's your soul? It's your mind, your will, your emotions. Maybe you got a soul wound. Your hair looks nice. Your eyebrows on fleek. Is that this kid still saying that, Felique? I don't know. <laughs> but your soul needs healing. Maybe it's the single season you're in. You feel dry right now. Maybe it's the parenting situation that just feels like this pandemic has disconnected your family. Maybe it's income, 
finances. You feel, man, this is a tough season. Pastor, just feel hurting right now. What is it that's dry? Can these dry bones live? Revive. Someone say revived. Say restored. You see, God brought Ezekiel to confront this so that it could be revived and restored. Now, when Ezekiel prophesies, I then want to say here what happens and what the intended result is. In Ezekiel 37 and verse 10, he says, So I prophesied, commanded me, and he says, And breath entered them, they came to life. And I want to show you here, the Bible says, They stood up on their feet, a vast army. Write this down, point number one. How does revived and restoration begin as from Ezekiel 37, we're exegeting, we're grabbing from this scripture a teaching today, and here's how, write this down, restoration happens with taking a stand and taking a step. Say, take a stand and take a step. What I mean by taking a stand is being willing to say, I'm going to stand on God's word. I'm going to stand in his presence. Where you stand will determine your deliverance. Where you, where you sit will determine, your, where, you, where you're at will determine your deliverance. Where you go will, will determine your level of freedom and serving God. The Bible says they stood up an exceedingly great army. They stood up, which is proof. Watch this now. Let me, let me pray. It's the best part of my sermon today. I get to lay down in church. The Bible says that he prophesied, bones came together, tenant, attendant, all, attendant, attendant, they all got attached. But after they were put together, the Bible says that they stood up an exceedingly great army. Which means that they were on their back at one point. Stay with me. So the picture is they were put together, but they were still laying down on the floor. But when they got filled, put together, there had to be a decision of, I'm not meant to be conquered. God has called me more than a conqueror. He's called me to stand up to be part of the vast exceedingly army. It's going to be hard for me to experience revival and restoration laying on my back. I have got to recognize that God did not call me to be defeated, but he called me to be filled, empowered with the Holy Spirit so I can stand back up and be part of the exceedingly great army that he's called me to be. What am I trying to say? God's intention is to get his church back on their feet. And I want to prophesy for a minute to somebody who feels like you got knocked down and you're at the nine count. And it said eight, nine, and the devil thinks he's going to call ten on you. I came to be your Polly in your corner, Rocky, and tell you the devil is a liar. But it ain't going to be a ten count knockdown. But I prophesy and I'm praying and I'm declaring that the church, she's going to get back up on her feet. She's going to get back up on her feet. And she's going to be the exceedingly great army. Why? Because God said he can revive and he can restore. Tell someone I'm getting back up. Say it again. Say I'm getting back up. <laughs> don't, don't count me out yet. 
My marriage is getting back up. Okay, you're like, really, Pastor? I'm praying for your marriage. I'm trying to be, you know, third person. Okay, someone's like, amen. Maybe you're here. But you need to declare that. I'm, my marriage is going to back up. My mind's going to get back up. My, I'm going to get back on my own two feet. You, you, you might have lost everything during this pandemic. I got good news for you. God can get you back on your feet. I said he's going to get you back on your feet. He's going to get you back on your feet. So let's just say I'm going to get on my feet. Don't get on your feet quite yet. Come on, somebody. All right. They got up on their feet, and this is why God wants, he wants us to get back. Why did they stand up, though? They didn't stand up so they can run to sin. They stood up so they can live in freedom. They stood up so they can be the exceedingly great army. They stood up so they could fight the devil. They stood up so they can take care of the kingdom of God. They stood up so they can build the church. They stood up so they can fight for others who couldn't fight for themselves. God stood them up. Why? To be a part, not just of the great kumbaya of the Lord, but to be a part of the great army of the Lord. Why? Because God is not just building a crowd. God is building an army that serves God. He's like an exceedingly great army. He stood them up to their feet. Stepping up is proof that God did not design us to live in defeat, but to be part of that army that God called us to. I want to read you this verse here because stepping up into what God has called you takes courage. Acts chapter 4 and verse 13 says, When they saw the courage of Peter, John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. These men had courage and they took mark that they had been with Jesus. What am I trying to tell you? Is that if you're going to take courage, if you're going to stand up to everything the enemy has tried to disconnect you from God, if you're going to stand up, listen to me now, it's going to take courage. Well, how do you get courage to stand up? You get it by being with Jesus. Notice it says, because they stood up, they said they must have, they must have been with Jesus. It is one of the defining marks of a believer to stand up. To what God has. First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13 says, Be on your guard, stand firm, be courageous, and be strong. Someone say, Take a stand. Now, someone say, Take a step. There's this story in Mark chapter 3, verse 1 and 6. I'm gonna read it here quickly. Of a time when, when Jesus called someone out to take a step and how God brought restoration, I think it's pertinent because God brings restoration here in a very similar way that he did in Ezekiel. And look what it says in verse 1. It says, and he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So when they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they may accuse him, he said to the man who had the withered hand, he says, step forward. Notice what did Jesus say? Step forward. And when he had said to them, he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. And the haters always stay silent. Verse and when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, watch this here, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. My God, someone say Jesus is good. I want you to see this because here's a church service happening right now. I read all that because there's a point I want to make. This is a church service. The Bible says Jesus was in the synagogue. He was in church. That's what they, it was like this, similar to this. And, and Jesus in the synagogue, everybody was looking like, what's Jesus going to do in church? Is he going to heal in church? Is he going to interrupt the service? Is Pastor Sai going to pray for somebody? What's he going to do? And, and the Bible says that Jesus calls out this man who was in the service. And he says, 
Frank. I'm just saying that's his name. Might not be his name, but your name is Frank. Let God speak to you. (laughs) He says, yo, Frank, right there in the back. Frank. It's like, and he probably went like this. It's like, yeah, you. He saw him. Step forward. I want you to check this out. It's very interesting to me. Because nowhere do we read that Frank asked Jesus to bring restoration to his life. He just came to church with his withered hand. He came to church with an area that was withered. And he was just sitting. And he was okay with what was withered, but Jesus was not okay with what was withered. So Jesus says, Frank, stand up. He's like, oh my goodness, he's going to embarrass me. He says, step forward. Come here. Now, don't, don't, don't get afraid. I'm not going to call you forward right now. Okay, who's he going to call somebody? No, no. Step forward. Then Jesus does something that may seem even insensitive. He says, stretch out your hand. Now, you might think, Jesus, now that's mean. Why would you ask him to stretch out his hand? In a situation, why would you ask him to bring his weakness to the altar? Because you know how we are as people. We always like to put our best foot forward. I'm good. I'm great. I'm fan. How you doing? Fantastic. Never been better. Marriage falling apart. Kids are going crazy. Sin in their lives. <laughs> okay. Never been greater. Blessed and highly favored. Conquering every devil. Shout amen. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Let me give you the microphone. Praise God. Huh? He's like, man, Jesus, I wasn't even trying. I'm just trying to, you know, chill right here in the back. I just trying to hear the word, you know, come to church, worship, songs. Good. Then I'm going to go home and just, you know, deal with the witheredness. But I love what Jesus did. Someone say, he's always up to something. Because he said, stretch out your hand. Watch this now. Here it comes. Jesus never told him which hand to stretch out. <laughs> He never told him, stretch out your withered hand. He says, stretch out your hand. In other words, which area do you want me to touch? Do you want me to touch the good things you put out there? Or do you really want me to touch what is withered? Stretch out your hand. He could have been like, okay, I'll show you my good hand. I came to church. I even wore cologne today. (laughs) perfume or whatever you know he could have came to church like every other time he came to synagogue and said here's my good hand God see I'm good everybody I'm good I'm good look I'm good I'm just like everybody else I'm good because you know how the devil tries to make you think that everybody else is doing good and you're the only one not doing good you know and I'm but that's a lie from the bed everybody got issues come on you know it's it's like look he could have stretched out his good hand and be like Jesus I'm good I'm good Oh, I'm gonna, I, just, I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but somebody is going to experience revival and restoration. And you've been wondering, well, how do I experience this in my life? It's in Ezekiel 37, and it's in Mark chapter 6. He says, stretch out your hand. In other words, what do you want me to touch? Do you want me to touch your weakness, or do you want me to touch your fakeness? Because I can't touch fakeness. I can only touch authenticity and realness. He says, stretch out your hand 
And he probably said, oh, man, I don't want to do this, but all right. And he stretched out his withered hand, probably embarrassed. Everybody's going to see my weakness. Everybody's going to know I, if I come up to receive prayer, everybody's going to know I got some issue. You know how the devil messes with us? I need, like, you come to church, you know you need prayer, but you're like, but if I go up there, they're gonna know that I have an issue. And they're gonna wonder, well, what did he, what did he pray for? What did she pray for? Did she tell him what we're, <laughs> did she tell the prayer partner she told the prayer partner? That's it. I'm gonna talk to her. When we get in the car, we're about to have a conversation. What did you say? <laughs> put out his withered hand probably almost embarrassed like oh man Jesus probably gonna tell everybody look how jacked up he is did Jesus ever say if you put out your hand I'll heal it's not what he said he just said put it out put it out put it out now let me qualify I'm not telling you right now to tell all your business okay here it goes I'm just gonna scream it out this is all my business okay what I'm telling you is he pulled it out to Jesus. Revived and restored is when you say, God, I'm going to let you deal with my witheredness and my weakness. I'm going to let you do it. I'm going to let you touch this. Now, I love the word the Bible uses. Can you put that verse back up there for me, the last one in Mark, Mark 6? He says, and his hand was restored not that one his hand was restored could you circle that word in your bibles or in your outlines i love how the bible didn't say his hand was healed it says his hand was restored talk to me somebody we have bible study this morning he didn't say he healed his hand as if well let me break this down healing and restoration both happen in our lives, and sometimes we call something a healing that was really restored, but we think it was healed. When it wasn't healed, it was just restored. And you gotta know the difference, because we serve the God of restoration. He is a restorer. He is a redeemer. He is a rec reconciler. He is a, he is a, 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 a re, re, redeemer, reconcile, revival, re, re, he says, re, why re? Because the word re means again. So when the Bible says he restored, that Greek word means to go back to where it was at first. Restoration isn't to get you to a place you've never been. Restoration is to get it back to where it was and back to how it used to be and how it was how it was how it was functioning before it went through a difficult situation. Many believe that the reason the hand got withered is because he went through something. And what I'm telling you is we all been through something in 2020. If you have not been through something, God bless you. You are amazing. But we all been through something. And I'm telling you right now, I am prophesying and proclaiming that God is going to bring a restoration upon our life. Somebody say revived. Someone say restored. 
And I pray that God brings a restoration into our hearts, into our nation, into our families, into our homes, into our marriage, that they would rise up an exceedingly great army. I'm not just saying that it goes back to the way it used to be. What I'm saying is it's going to go back to where it used to be, and it's going to go back to even better, back to the place we're going to see God move. We're going to see our kids' church. God can restore the church. God can restore the kids' church. God can restore the marriage. God can restore the things that he has called us to be. It is not too far gone. Say, God, restore it. I'm going to bring it to you in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Let me pray. Bow your head. Father, I thank you right now. Oh, hallelujah. Stretch out your hand. That's what he said. Stretch out your hand. You can stretch out your hand. Go ahead. Some of you are like, I want the Lord. As you stretched out your hand, I pray that if you learn to bring your weak hand to God, that's all he restores. And don't you ever be embarrassed or ashamed to bring your weak hand to God. It's hard for us to bring our weaknesses to God. Because we don't like to talk about them. We don't like to mention them. We don't like to think about them. But why else would the church exist? So we could all just pretend like it's all good? No, it's every week I bring to God my weakness. Every week, my weakness. Because I need it healed. I need it restored. I'm sorry, rest restored. And restoration is a process. It's a process. It's a process. It's a process. It's a process. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's a process. In fact, I'll say it like this. Sometimes the process of restoration hurts more than the moment of injury. <laughs> the rehab, the, the, the process of healing and, and letting God restore, it, 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 yeah, it takes time. Miracles are instant. Restoration is a process. Step forward, he said, Frank, step forward. Step forward. Susan, step forward. Now, I'm not telling you to step forward right now, but what I'm telling you is God's going to call you to draw near to him. And I want to celebrate you because you come into church today, you took a step forward. You came to Costa Mesa. I'm so proud of you. You woke up today and you came to church. That was your step forward. You logged in online. That was your metaphorical step forward. That was your, it'd been easier for you to stay home today and lick your wounds. It's been easier to stay home and just acknowledge your weaknesses. But I'm telling you, restoration happens when you bring your weakness to God. You can put your hand down. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, yeah, with your head bowed right now, Father, thank you. Keep bringing your weakness to God. Some of you are like, yeah, that's why I brought my spouse to church. That's not what I meant. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I said your weakness, okay? Your weakness what you need God to do. Oh, hallelujah. Now, this is very metaphorical, but I'm going to ask you to do right now. But if you want God to revive and restore you in this season, then when you're ready, I want you to stand when I count to three. Because remember, 
they stood to their feet an exceedingly great army. For the last several weeks, I've prophesied you the word. I've pre I preached you the word. I'm going to continue preaching, but, but, uh, but I'm ending this series of talks, and I'm going to start a new talk next Wednesday, next week. It's going to be great. But here's your moment of action, because oftentimes when we read certain verses, we always see ourselves as the one who's doing the healing, not the one who needs to be healed. And the truth is, as I've been preaching this series, you were not Ezekiel, you were the dry bones. And oftentimes we want to see ourselves, no, I'm Ezekiel. I got the word. And yeah, there are moments, but the truth is, no, you're the dry bones. <laughs> now, when you stand, I'm not saying that you're fully alive, but I'm saying is you're standing. And there have been moments I've stood, and man, it hurt to stand. My feet were bleeding in my boots, but I was going to stand. Because my God, God did not save me so the devil can defeat me. How I know greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm, I'm trying to preach somebody into victory in Jesus. Romans 8.31, if God is for me, who can be against me? It's time for you to take a stand for God, to stand for, for the Lord, to stand up because God is good. Not because you're good, but he's good. Not because you're strong, but he's strong. In my weakness, I am made strong, Paul the Apostle said. Here we go. Are you ready to stand? One. Come on, are you ready to stand? Two. Are you ready to say, Lord, I just, I want to get back up on my feet. I'm going to get back on my feet. Come on, you might have lost your job. You might have lost your home. You might have lost your business. You might have lost a form of, of business. You might have lost, you feel like you lost some ground in your marriage. You feel like you might have losing your mind. I'm not saying that you're fully alive. I'm just saying you're ready to get back up. You're ready to get back up. And I'm praying that the church of the living God is going to get back up on its feet. And no matter if it was, uh, the doors might have been closed for a few months and we had to meet in our homes. But I know that there is a rising and exceedingly great army, an army of the Lord that is not of this world, an army, a kingdom that is not of the natural, but of the supernatural, a kingdom that answers to a higher calling that is a citizen of heaven. Two, come on, somebody who's ready. Three, come on, stand up to your feet if you're ready to see God do something in your life. Come on, stand up to your feet. Let's go. Thanks for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by this message. Show us your support by sharing your favorite podcast on social media and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Freedom House OC today. See you next week.